happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. I hope you're all having a great week. Coming up on today's show, Ty Tiavasa has made an interesting call out. RDA is in an unfamiliar position, and I'll also tell you why slap fighting is stupid. All of that coming up later, but first, I want to give a shout out to one of today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite mental enhancers, Super Speciosa. What I do here is fun, but not always easy. Sometimes I need a little boost to get me in the zone. Super Speciosa's Kratom gives me that extra mental clarity and physical boost to keep pumping out creative, entertaining content for you guys. It's an all-natural Indonesian tropical tea leaf from the same family as the coffee plant. It's been used for centuries to promote energy and wellness. Super Speciosus Kratom is pure and unadulterated. All plant and no synthetics, just pure Kratom leaf. It's available in capsules, tea bags, and powder. I prefer the capsules. It can be used as a natural pre-workout and also helps with recovery. Super Speciosa has helped energize my mind but also relax my body. It makes me feel sharp and on point without any kind of jitters. Super Speciosa products are recognized by the American Kratom Association. And let me tell you guys, that's a big deal because there's a lot of synthetic Kratom out there and these products are real. If you'd like to give it a try, and I suggest you do, go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash If you've never taken Kratom before, try it in the capsule form. Super Speciosa guarantees 100% satisfaction or your money back. No gimmicks. Go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash and get 20% off with promo code CHAIL. That's GetSuperLeaf.com slash and use the promo code CHAIL to save 20% today. All right, guys, we've had a couple of days. Let's look back at Masvidal versus Colby. And, you know, we did that over here. It took us three weeks to look back on Francis versus Surreal Gone, which was a snooze fest the night that it happened. But after a little bit of time, it started looking better and better. And you started to see it a little bit different. And then you started really having an appreciation for Francis, particularly when it's disclosed he's out there on one leg. He's down by two rounds. He can't win a stand-up battle because he's not fast enough, so he's got to go to a wrestling battle that he's never done before in the history of his career, and he successfully does it in a main event of a world title fight on pay-per-view while having stresses of the future of his career. I mean, right? It starts to look pretty damn good. Let's take another look because I've heard some stuff said about Masvidal that I don't agree with. A lot of people have made have just made a comment that Masvidal wasn't prepared. That one, he wasn't prepared for the wrestling, and, and two, his conditioning wasn't on point. Well, hold on. I saw a pretty damn look, good-looking Masvidal out there. If you were to take Masvidal and you were to take Colby, and you were to ask who was the better fighter, now that gets complicated, right? Because it's not as simple as who won the fight. Well, there we have our answer. No, not necessarily. Particularly when it get, got won in the, with the same move in the exact same position, in the same part of the cage. They fought 25 minutes. You guys aware of that? They fought 25 minutes in the same part of the cage. There's eight pieces of chain-link fence that make up the octagon. The one same piece is the same piece that Colby pushed Masvidal into every single round. Got every single takedown and kept him right there against the fit. 25 minutes in the same spot of the cage. 
So, uh, yeah, we can determine who won the fight. I'm asking a different question. Who's better at fighting? You see where it's not always the same thing? I feel if you were to watch Kobe and you watch uh, Masvidal, and let's just use the belt system that's very traditional in this sport. Masvidal, for sure, is a black belt. Kobe might not be. Kobe's approaching it. Kobe's a top five ever in that weight class, and much closer to top three, by the way. Much closer to top three. I'm going to say top five just so I don't have to argue with anybody. Overall fighting, though, who understands more? Who understands the defense and the offense, the setups and the position, the legs, the knees, the elbows, the hands, the submission, the grapple, every, I'm, if you came to the conclusion that it's Masvidal, you came to the same conclusion as I did. Colby understood these things, and Colby understood, don't go A to Z with him. Get him into the fence, slow his ass down, get your hands on him, keep your hands on him. That was emphasis number one by Colby. And even if that resulted in a takedown, they could have been dead center of the octagon on their feet. Colby would have had a hold of him. Colby understood, I got to grab him. He might be better, but there's ways to beat a guy that knows more. There's ways to beat a guy that's more experienced. There's ways to beat a guy who's better than you. Sure there is. And this is a wrestling mindset by Covington. All wrestlers have that. I don't care if this guy's better than me. If I put his shoulders down, I win. I don't care if his parents love him more. If I have more points than he does, when time runs out, I move on. So there's there's mental games that you can play. And their understanding of each other is a bonus and it's a deficit. It's the same thing, but there's two sides to that coin. And you guys can all relate to this. Somebody that had the big brother effect on you. Maybe you had a big brother. Maybe you had a cousin. Maybe you had a friend. Maybe you had a classmate who at some point you guys went head to head and he had the edge. He still has it on you today, doesn't he? At least mentally. You don't look back and go, well, I've worked hard for all these years and I sure could go deal with him now. You don't. Thank God, I don't hope I don't ever run into that guy. It's just a real thing. It's just a psychological thing. So when these two guys knew each other as well as they did, Colby was coming out of those workouts on top. I personally didn't put a lot into those workouts. One, because the last time they touched each other was four years ago. And two, Masvidal was a 55-pounder. Masvidal did his best work once he put on some size. He's done his best work by far as a 170-pounder. So I didn't put a lot onto that. Now that's physically. Physically, I make a fair point. Mentally, I can share with you over the same guys that got the big brother factor over me. We've all got that you're a freshman and this guy was a senior. Whatever the case was, even if you got a perfectly good excuse, it's still real. It's still real in here. And one thing that happens, if you guys believe in the laws of attraction at all, and I'm not talking about the book, The Secret, the same crap gets repackaged every 10 years and shoved up somebody's ass on Amazon, but the laws of attraction are very real. And you will find what you're looking for. If you believe a great job is out there, you're going to go find a great job. If you believe there's no jobs out there, you're not going to find a job. Like there is a truth somewhere within this without sounding too energy and zen and philosophical, but there is a truth somewhere in that. And if you go in with a defensive mindset of this is what I need to stop, I can stop it, I've worked on stopping it, I'm going to stop it, You're, he's going to come after you. Mike Tyson ran his career very different than anybody else. Nobody wants cameras in the room. They don't want the secrets in the room. They don't want a coach talking to anybody. They don't want a mole in camp. Other guys do. They want exactly that. They will make sure those videos get out. Mike Tyson was one of those. 
Mike Tyson wanted everybody he was fighting to know, I have an uppercut that can break through any guard you have. I have a shovel hook to the body that can bring a big man down. He wanted you to know he would shadow box just with that same combination. You bring him in the bag, he the room on a bag. He'll find a way to show you that combination. He wanted everybody to know, and everybody did know. And you know how many of them stopped it? All they thought about in camp was dealing with that power. All they thought about in camp was what happens when he throws that uppercut. Now all of a sudden their offense is shut down. They have a defensive mindset. That was the mental side to George Masvidal. George offered a lot more resistance in the area of wrestling in that cage fight than he did in practice years ago. So George did show up prepared. George did a very good job. He went right to that fence. He got his heels and toe in the right place. Now he's coming over the top. He's dropping elbows, which is something Colby never would have experienced in practice. It was hard. It was really tough. But it was still a defensive mindset. Colby's was different. You only know this after the fact. You only know this in hindsight. You can go one of two. It's the only choices you got. Am I going to stop him or am I going to attack him? Pick one. George was going to stop him. Colby was going to attack. That's what you saw. But to come to the conclusion, I don't like anybody that say Masvidal didn't look good. I don't agree with that. Masvidal looked damn good. Colby and Usman are the best. Who's the number three guy? It might be Masvidal. That's between those guys. That's the, the Chemayevs and the Burns and the Vincent Luque and Blaha Mohammed. They all get to speak up, but it might be Masvidal. And Masvidal didn't lose a fight the way that story's being told. He lost a position. I see other guys that do this. Do you guys follow Shabazian? Shabazian, most known, he was 20 years old. He gets on a big run. He's managed by Ronda Rousey. But he was really the hype and he was coming around. He loses a couple of fights. I, I don't think he needs to be frustrated because he's not losing fights. He lost the same position in four different rounds spread over two different evenings. So we don't have to throw everything out like Shabazian doesn't know what he's doing. It's a position. Darren Till is going through it. Darren Till's halfway convinced he doesn't know how to fight anymore. Darren Till is an excellent fighter. He's got a position. He has a position. Specifically, not only on his back, but when a guy gets to side control. He's got a position that you can pin him down in. I only submit for you. Colby was the fair winner. That fight was scored correctly. It was five rounds, so I get the whole thing. But Colby didn't necessarily outfight him. He won him in a position. Colby was thinking on a different level. I listen to fighters. I realize fighters lie, but I listen to them carefully before I bring you guys my analysis. When I bring you my analysis, I take that very serious. Because some of you are going to listen to me in part with your hard-earned money. So I will do my due diligence to look into it, but I do take fighters at their word. I never heard George Monsvidal say, I'm going to beat Colby Covington. I never heard it. I heard him say, I'm going to hit him in the face. I heard him say, I'm going to expose him. I heard him say, I'm going to fight him. I heard him say, I'm going to punch him right in his mouth. I never heard him say, I'm going to beat him. Colby, on the other hand, every interview he did, as hot and as heat and as bothered as he was, was very calculated at understanding this is still a contest that will be scored under the 10-9 must system, spread over five rounds, under the ABC rules. Colby got it. So George did what George said he was going to do. He pushed him, he exposed him, he cracked him right in the face. Maybe he exposed that Colby's pretty good at dealing with that. Either way, Masvidal is a man of his word. Colby also did what he said he was going to do. I'm not going to go out and fight him and kickbox with him and show this and show all the things that I've worked on. I'm going to get a hold of you. I'm going to push you in the fence. I'm going to bring you down. And when this night is over, I'm going to get my hand raised. That's what happened. It was a good fight. Stephen A. Smith spoke about it. 
said that he was very surprised that Masvidal, two things that Stephen A said, he was very surprised that Masvidal wasn't ready to deal with the wrestling, and he was surprised at the fatigue that Masvidal got to. Stephen's not wrong. That's what we all saw. And George knew that going in. But again, that's defensive. I think if George could do that fight again, he'd have gone, where can I attack Colby? Not where can I shut Colby down? And secondly is on the thought of conditioning. Many guys that will get tired, and I'll tell you what, don't ever get behind a fighter that's got energy left at the end of the night. He just screwed you. I was exhausted in every match I had. People used to brag about my car. Oh, Chael's in such good shape. I would be so, I would be in good shape. That's true. I appreciate that compliment, but I would be exhausted. There was no easy match or hard match. They were all the same match. 100% of my energy goes into that night. So a fighter should be tired at the end of the night. But secondly, one thing that people don't understand from a sports training physiology standpoint is you will top out. And now it doesn't have to do with you. Now it's not, oh, I could have worked harder. I could have eaten better. I could have slept more. I could have done more sprints, more stairs, more runs. No, you will top out. And this gets proven. I mean, our best conditioned athletes, just look at them every four years at the Summer Olympics. They will train every single day full time. They will take their shirt off and just be carved the most beautiful athletes, right? A four years later, they will be within a tenth of a second of what you previously saw them. Sometimes better, sometimes worse. But my only point being, you do top out. You get a five-minute mile. There's, it's not as though if you just keep training, eventually you're going to see four. No. No, it doesn't work that way. And the same thing goes with strength. you got a 225 on the bench. If you just keep doing it right, eventually you'll be a 325 and 425. And five. No, you're going to top out. And now that's where, where DNA comes in. Some guy's lungs are literally bigger. Lance Armstrong, but he had mutant lungs. Other guys with your, your CO2 max, there's scientific things that you can do to look into it, but there's also the top. You're also at your peak. So you bring that in, you got another guy, you both worked really hard, did similar things, even the exact same things. One guy's DNA is different. He's going to get tired at a different rate than you do. That's just the reality. I don't think that that speaks to somebody being unprepared. So speaking of Colby Covington, he recently mentioned he'd be interested in fighting the middleweight champ, Israel Adesanya. Now, a lot of you guys hated that idea, but I like it. Let me tell you why I like that, as well as some recent developments at 185 pounds. I've had a hard time with 185, and I love 185. I was an 85-pounder myself. Adesanya. Maybe the most fun guy in the whole sport. You could have a, a real conversation on that, but he's going to be in everybody's top three. Fantastic fighter, but he offers you more. He'll dance on the way to the ring. He'll cut a promo. What does he need? you got to be real careful. Adesanya has been very, very careful within his own career. No fighter calls his own shots more than Izzy. No fighter decides who I'm fighting next more than Adesanya. Now, you got the cannoneer business. The cannoneer business is tough. It's real tough. We know for sure Whitaker is the next best thing in the division. But Whitaker is put in a similar spot as Colby. We acknowledge you're number one. We're going to rank you number one. But you've already had the opportunity. So you're going to be a number one contender who doesn't get a fight for what every other number one contender does, which is the belt. And nobody did anything wrong. You give a guy a shot, as a matter of fact, you give a guy two shots. Same thing in each situation. Nothing's wrong here, but it's a unique spot. 
So, okay, we can't get the best guy. So we're going to go with the next best guy who just lost to the best guy. And that's where Cannoneer comes in. And again, nobody's done anything wrong. Cannoneer should get that opportunity. Is going to get the opportunity from what we're told. And Adesanya wants to give him. Now, Adesanya wants Cannoneer for reasons unlike anything else Adesanya's done. Which is, everybody that Adesanya's wanted to beat up has spoke about Adesanya. Unpleasantly. Said they could beat him. Adesanya's a true champion. Say you can beat me, nobody else said those words, and it's you and me, right? I get that, and so do you guys. We love that about him. But Cannoneer did the opposite. Cannoneer and Izzy got sat randomly side by side in an event, and Cannoneer was nice to him. Izzy figured, oh, this guy's going to start in on me at some point. I'm going to have a long night. Cannoneer turns to him, shakes his hand, says, man, you're a great fighter. Four hours later, they're friends. And Izzy even told the media, he said, if I ever have an opportunity that I get to give to somebody, I'm giving it to that guy because I like him. Okay, I, now that's a cool story. It's the opposite of a fight promotion, but there's something there. There's something if harvested just correctly. The reason I'm throwing wet water on this is it's not going to be harvested correctly. We can use history as the greatest trajectory to the future. We can see that Adesanya is going to be willing to grab a blowhorn and yell from the rooftops what is going on. We also know that Cannoneer is not. Cannoneer became a number one contender in a fight that he did not win a round of. It's tough. I thought that Sean Strickland should have beat that in everybody's head. I thought that Sean Strickland should have looked around and been able to say, Jared, you become a number one contender against Brunson where one round was completed and you lost it on all three of the scorecards. You're not the guy I am. I don't know if that argument would have worked. I don't know. That's between those guys, and it was a game that Sean decided he didn't want to play. Now, I am not looking to put down Jared Cannonier. I had the same experience with Jared that Izzy did, which I really liked the guy. This is not an anti-commentary on Cannoneer. Set him aside. I'm actually talking about Adesanya. Because the Roy Jones effect is real. Roy Jones was the best boxer in the 90s. And you want to know who else will tell you that? Every goddamn boxer from the 90s. They will all tell you it was Roy Jones. Roy's never made any money. Roy was never a huge pay-per-view draw. Roy would struggle to sell out arenas. Because he was so good. Everybody knew how the story was going to end. John Jones went through that. You go to John Jones's last four fights, there's a whole bunch of people dressed up as empty seats. He can't even sell out an arena. Once in a lifetime talent. But we knew how the story was going to end. There was no anticipation. There was nothing to look forward to. Just a really great fight that's going to go beat people up. Those fights ended up being close, but we don't know that ahead of time. And it's bad for business. And that's my only point. Now, I'll throw myself in here. Because I had to deal with the greatest of all time as well, Anderson Silva. But Anderson couldn't draw flies. Until he had a guy that convinced the world this might not go the way you think. Sounds real simple. But it's what Adesanya needs. He's getting that good. Adesanya won four rounds, and according to one judge, five rounds against Vittori. Once you start smoking guys 5-0, that's when you stop having people tune in. It's not great. So if you are Adesanya, he's got to go get this one out of the way with Cannoneer. He, just, he has to. Jared's earned it. Jared's been told he's going to get it. Izzy wants to give it to him, but we got to get it out of the way. Even after that's out of the way, what do you do? I mean, again, if you want to go back to Roy Jones, he finally walked away. If you want to go back to John Jones, he threw the goddamn belt back and said, I'm out. 
I'll be back when you guys want to see me more. Supply and demand. There's a little demand and a whole bunch of supply. Take the supply away, come back later. You've just fulfilled the greatest principle in all of economics. So who is going to make some interest for Israel Adesanya? Because I saw a guy who did just that four days ago. That guy's name is Colby Covington. And Colby was laughed at. He was told that's not his division. But I didn't see one middleweight in that division say, Colby, why don't you come on up? Believe me, if I was sitting at 185 and I was one of the boys and a 70-pounder spoke about my division, whether it was about me directly or not, he'd have heard from me quickly. Not one middleweight said a word. Not one middleweight told that little 170-pounder that he didn't belong, that he couldn't do it, that he wasn't big enough, that he hadn't earned it. The champion did not even say any of those words. Now, the champion gets a pass because his plate is full, and he did weigh on a 70-pounder earlier in the same week, named Chemayev, where he was very complimentary. I'm talking about Adesanya. He was very complimentary. He said, but I'll worry about him when I have to worry about him. He's not in my division right now. Do you know how many problems Colby Covington solves for Israel Adesanya, at least in the short term? Because if those plans aren't put in place in the short term, the long term doesn't look good. Israel Adesanya should have just, oh God, he should have been, and I bet you he was, I bet you he put his hands on his face. I bet you he sighed a breath. I bet you he couldn't believe that the fellow middleweights let a 170-pounder talk about the division that way. Because that's just a sign for things to come. Okay, what middleweight is going to be next after after Jared? Okay, one that's absolutely silent about a 70-pounder coming up and taking your spot away? You didn't even defend your throne against a 70-pounder? You made Dana White do it for you? And you're going to be in my future? One of the great talkers in all of sport has to go against somebody that let, got pushed around by a 70-pounder? Colby Covington solves some problems for Izzy Adesanya. And Colby Covington has a problem. Which is he has a golden ticket that says he is the number one contender in the world, but doesn't get a fight for the strap. Those two need each other. The guy you're fighting, the guy you're trying to do damage to that's coming back and train and put everything on hold to do damage back to you, that guy, that guy that you hate in that moment, that guy is your partner. If you want to do a big business, you need the right partner. You need a partner that's going to do his end of things. It would be very hard to think anybody could out-media Israel Adesanya. That anybody would get more requests on bigger platforms and scream from the rooftops more than Izzy. He's great. Unless that opponent's Colby Covington. Colby Covington tried to stake his claim at 185 pounds, and you bitches at 185 let him do it. So the playgrounds I grew up on, that means Colby's the guy. All he needs is the blessing of Adesanya. Adesanya's not going to flinch for a 70-pounder because you don't punch down. I understand that. Everybody here has done what they're supposed to do, except us, the community who allowed this to be dismissed. You can dismiss an idea all that you want. When a 170-pounder calls out the king of a division and none of the other guys in the division, one through 15, I don't even know how we're ranking all the way to 15, but apparently they're, it doesn't make a bit of difference because none of them said a word. None of them wanted that heat. None of them wanted Colby. And they knew if Colby came up, they'd be in trouble. They didn't want to be the one to speak up and tell him to sit down. 
or the next name coming out of Colby's mouth would have been theirs. So if all the middleweights are just going to stand aside and let the man walk through, then stand aside and let him walk through. One of the other biggest stories to emerge from last weekend's UFC 272 was RDA's beatdown of Moicano in the co-main event. And since that fight, I've been thinking a lot about RDA and his future. RDA, guys, where do we go from here? And we need to be real interactive here. I want you to share this piece. I want you to comment. I want the thumbs. I want some real back and forth here. And you want to know why? Because we're going to have to do this for RDA. He is not going to do it for himself. RDA is about as perfect of a fighter as you're going to come across. If you ever want to know what it means to be an MMA fighter, the lifestyles, the skills needed, the attitude, the mental approach, look no further. There's your guy. RDA. If you want to know what it takes to steer your career from a business standpoint, he's just not your guy. He's just not. That's just not how he does things. He's polite. Polite doesn't get you that far in this business. He's quiet. Quiet doesn't get you that far in this business. He is a competitor first. The result and outcome of those matches is what he lives his life for every single day when he gets up, including Sundays. I watched the Countdown Show. I know all about RDA's training now, but including Sundays, which he takes off. Everything is about that sport and that competition, which generally, look, the NCAA, they make a living on that. Football and baseball and any other sport in the world, that's all that you got to do. But this is a game and this is a business. RDA's next fight needs to be a massive fight. It has to be. There's certain rules in the sport. Even if they're the rules that, we, that we're going to fiercely adhere to while we make them up on the spot, there's still rules. If you are a co-main event of a pay-per-view and you win, you do not lose your placement on the card which means RDA gets to stay at a minimum co-main event or possibly elevate himself to a main event. Now there's a strategy and there's a way to do that that he's not going to do. That's where we come in. He's done enough for us. It's our turn. Can we agree on that? These guys that entertain us, that go through what RDA has gone through for as long as they've done it, at some point we have an obligation back. And pushing a $50 buy button and sitting on our ass isn't it. We got to help his message get out. Now, RDA's got a couple of really good claims. I don't know if he's going to go make them. And even if he does make them, I have a feeling he's going to do it politely, which maybe doesn't get heard. It's the jerk business. The business side of this favors a guy who's brash. Now, argument number one. RDA versus Conor McGregor was supposed to happen. RDA was doing a favor to Conor McGregor when that was going to happen. In that RDA was the champion of the world and he was going to give a shot to Conor. If Conor wants to be champion, he can't get there without RDA signing off on it. It's very relevant. Because they did the photo shoots. They did the press tour. This kind of digital art exists. We're not starting from scratch at, at square one. Not to mention that is a super compelling match. Do you guys remember that was going to go off? That started as RDA, a two-to-one favorite. Connor was too small. That was the belief. Two-to-one favorite. The day that fight got scrapped, McGregor was a two-and-a-half-to-one favorite. Ireland got a hold of this stuff and said, no, we don't care. Our featherweight's putting on some size. We've heard what's going on in the gym. We're getting behind it. So it's a very interesting match that never happened. I think there's an argument there. That would be a big and massive fight. If we got RDA, Conor McGregor, we've done our job. Without question, we have now done our job as a community. We never have to do RDA another favor again if we get him Conor McGregor once. Can we agree? Okay. 
The other argument, and RDA hasn't made this, but the other argument is how does he ask to fight or agree to fight Islam Makhlchev? Islam says no, but Islam gets a number one contenders match and RDA does not. It's an argument. It's a jumping off point. But I do think that RDA is going to have to get to a level of creativity. I don't think if we call Conor McGregor right now and we offer him the massive fights that he has, possibly a world title fight between either Oliver or Gaethje, and Conor will probably make his mind up if he wants that based on how that match goes and whoever wins. He may not admit that to us up front, but that's a fair guess by us. Massive fight with Dustin Poirier. Massive er fight with Nate Diaz. The one nobody's talking about, but Conor versus Nick Diaz. I mean, he's got some massive fights out there. I don't think we could call him with that list, add RDA to it, and get Conor to sign off. Tough spot. Go back to Islam. How does Islam turn down a fight against a guy who got his hand raised, who used to be champion, and now Islam gets to go and fight in a match that if he wins, he fights for the world title, and the former champion who held up his end of it, oh, and by the way, won all five rounds, gets pushed to the side. No, it's MMA. We do stuff like this all the time. Everything I just told you is true. But the jury of our peers are going to be the ones that decide. So it's not fair. It's a conversation, which turns into a dialogue, which then becomes a narrative, which makes headlines. That's how you get what you want. And I do fear that not only... RDA versus Connor works. Okay? You hold that thought. RDA getting a shot at number one contendership when the guy that just refused to fight him is getting the shot also works. And whether RDA gets a hold of what he wants or not, I feel he needs to start making those arguments. He needs to turn this over to you guys. In a worst case scenario, which is he gets neither of those where he's at right now, if he doesn't speak up, he could lose that co-main event spot, which is not traditionally how this sport is done. And then you get the guys that go, I don't care. I don't care if it's pay-per-view. I don't care if it's free TV. I don't care if it's the second fight of the night. I don't care if it's the main event. That's not what I do. Fair enough. Fair enough. And most of those guys would do that and we did, would dismiss them. But those guys aren't RDA, who's got a decade of entertaining us at two different weight classes with no exception and no excuses ever, which is why I'm bringing this to you guys. Now we got to step in. And I don't know where RDA trains at. I believe he and Benny DeRouche are teammates, though. That's very relevant. Ryan, is that is that correct? If Benny DeRouche and RDA are teammates, you could see where that could get a little bit weird. So maybe RDA wants to be polite. But I do feel, because don't forget this, when you call for these shots and you don't get them, you're still setting up the dialogue for next time. I see people do this in politics all the time. They, they go run for office, they get smashed. But in the next election, they run again. Now they got some name recognition. I've seen people become the president of the United States that lost races for Congress. I see people run for governor, not get it, go on to be a United States senator. I'm just saying, it's always good to get these arguments out here. In RDA's case, he's got two great ones. I was promised Conor McGregor. Moreover, I promised it to Conor. Now I want that favor back. What do you say? Whether he gets it or not. But also this Islam business, this is pretty tough. There's a penalty for not taking fights. We know that. Islam's being penalized. He has to go and do another fight. 
But how does RDA get thrown out of that equation? And this is coming from a guy. I fought for a world championship at 205 pounds. I became the number one contender. Want to know how many times I fought at 205 pounds before I became the number one contender of that division? None. None. But the champion who was John Jones refused to fight me. And that's what made all of you guys interested. That's what made me interested. That's where me look around. Maybe I can beat this guy. He sees something. It's one of those things. The rules of the playground carry over to the octagon. People forget that all the time. I feel like there's a whole bunch of fighters within the UFC that weren't viewed as the baddest dude in their school. Because they didn't know how to play that game. They didn't understand the psychological. If you were viewed as the baddest dude in your school, then go fight for the world championship. Take the same games that you did at your local high school to get that respect amongst your peers, none of which you ever beat up. You stared them down. You spoke them down. You did other things to get that. Take that into the UFC. Very few guys do it. But the Sean Stricklands and the Sean O'Malley's and the Conor McGregor's and the Chael Simon, in all fairness, there's a way to steer your own career. We got to step in here, though, guys. My entire point, we've got to step in on RDA's behalf. So you guys get your head around it. What do you want to see him do? Do you want to see him in there with Connor? Or do we want to see him start making an argument that he should be in there with, uh, with Islam and or Benny in that same opportunity? Because I do feel RDA is probably going to have to take a different path other than just keep going out there, beating people up, doing interviews, see you three times a year. There is such a thing as luck, but you can create your own luck. And possibly the best spot for RDA, when I'm talking about he's probably going to have to do something a little weird, what I'm talking about, Islam Benny, RDA backup fighter. We've had backup fighters for title fights before. Why can't we have a backup fighter for a massive number one contenders fight? If that's the only way we're going to get him here, because he's not going to come out and demand it, then let's start building that story now. But I want to hear from you guys. I'm going to read every single comment. I'm going to forward them to RDA. What is it you want to see next for the former champ? So RDA is a fan favorite. And when I think about some of the other fighters that you guys love, my mind instantly goes to heavyweight. And earlier this week, one of the lovable big guys made a call out that caught my attention. I read a headline yesterday. Ty Tiavasa versus Stipe Miocic being targeted for this summer. I did not believe that. There was no part of that match that made a lot of sense to me. You have who's recognized in Stipe as the greatest heavyweight of all time. Many people believe that just because he had more title defenses than anybody else. Certainly one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, just period. Against the most popular heavyweight, who's Ty Tiavasa. Ty Tiavasa is amongst the most popular athletes within the entire sport. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm gauging that on one thing, which is I have been in the arena when he's fought. Nobody brings a crowd to their feet like Ty Tiavasa. Tiavasa beat Derek Lewis in Derek's hometown of Houston. The entire crowd was there to see Derek Lewis. They cheered Derek like no other. When that fight was over, even Houston and Derek's own friends came to their feet cheering for Tiavasa and started drinking beer out of their shoe. When I tell you how popular, this guy is over. And sometimes when I speak about Tiavasa, I'll read comments that you guys leave that I'm being very hard on him. I am not being hard on him. When I say that his skills are limited... That is not an insult. 
because he is growing at an extremely rapid pace. If you put belts on martial arts, we like to do that, right? In jiu-jitsu and in karate and in taekwondo, all these different things. We like to do a belt system. If MMA had a belt system, Tiavasa is purple. He's extremely raw. He's also the number three ranked fighter in the world. He's also defeated world champions. He's in a new training environment. He's at a new gym. He appears to be a sponge. And if you look at these leaps that he's taking, I'm saying he's a blue belt. He used to be a white belt. He's making gains right in front. If he keeps making these jumps, that could be the champion of the world by 2024. Maybe even a little quicker than that. So I am not hard on Tai Tiavasa. I'm just speaking very matter-of-factly of what you have right here. That matchup of Tiavasa versus Stipe is going to be a three to a four and a half to one spread for Stipe. All the heart that Tiavasa brings, Stipe brings the same heart. All the skills that Tiavasa is searching for, Stipe's already got. It's going to be massive, at least in terms of the lines. And I would predict for you that it's going to play out exactly the way the lines say, and now you're going to squash your most popular fighter within the division. So this is why I was just very light on this idea. I was also very big on the idea, right, where there's smoke, there's fire, and Stipe and John Jones were just trying to find a date. Well, then I find out a little bit more to the story, which is Ty Tivasa called for the fight. Now, that was a cool move. Because Ty Tivasa may not agree with me. He may, not, he may not think that he's full of potential, but quite as green as Chael Sane is. And if Ty Tivasa doesn't speak up and start calling for really hard fights and start associating his name in the headlines with guys who are top contenders and former champions, if he doesn't do it on his own and the promotion goes the direction that I think they're going to go with him, which is to keep him in fun fights and just keep that popularity as he grows as an athlete, it's going to be tough. We've seen other guys have that. We've seen other popular guys have that. We've seen guys make it to the top of the bill, co-main and main event spots that aren't heavily ranked fighters, but they're really popular. And there's always been pushback. Happened to Conor McGregor. Oh, he's being carried. He's fighting. This guy always oh, got another easy fight. He's being carried. And in all fairness, that was the attempt. In hindsight, he was carried by having to fight Max Holloway. He was carried by having to fight Dustin Poirier and Dennis Seaver. I mean, these turned out to be really hard, but the intent was still there. And the dialogue and the narrative is very tough. Now, Tai Tiavasa never has to live in that. Whether he gets that Stipe fight or not, the mere fact that he's the one that called for it, his hands are clean. I'm still light on the idea that it comes to fruition. Now, I don't have a whole lot of better ideas. I'm operating under the assumption that John Jones and Stipe are going to fight. If Stipe goes off and does business with Tai Tiavasa, I mean, what's that telling us about John? And John's in the gym and John's working hard and John is singing a very different tune and that tune is, I need to come back and fight. I'm running out of money. So I don't think that you'd put Tiavasa over here. I don't think that you'd ruin your most popular guy to put him against your absolute best guy Why John Jones is sitting over on the show. I just, I don't see it happening. I'm light on it. So let's just say that I'm right. Let's say that that fight isn't going to happen. Look at how well this call out served for Ty Tiavasa and look at what we just learned about Ty. Ty does not see himself as green. Ty sees himself as a world threat right now, which in all fairness, he is. I'm talking he's only green in the skill department. Mentally, having ice through his veins, going out there, dealing with pressure, being under adversity, and finding a way time and time again to get his hand raised? Come on. 
come on, this guy's special. Taiti Voss is special. And this call out is very interesting. Because like anything in life, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Ty wants it. Ty didn't do this for a headline. He didn't do this so guys like me would come over and make a video about him. Ty called out Stipe because Ty wants to fight Stipe. Now, on the back end of that call out, equally as peculiar, was a lack of response by Miocic. Now, before you say, well, Chael, that's right in line. Stipe never speaks up. Stipe doesn't do those things. I, I hear you. I hear you. It would have been a bigger surprise if Stipe had taken it. But it's the same thing that Ty is getting on one end that Stipe would have got if he spoke up and jumped at that. Stipe is supposed to fight John Jones, so a fighter is supposed to do the same thing every single time, which is make the most money for the easiest opponent. That's how you run your career at all times. I want the most money, and I want the easiest guy. So now if you're Stipe, and you got to go earn your check against the great John Jones, or you can go earn it on this up-and-comer that's skills are pretty green, you see where it's obvious that Stipe would jump at that, but he didn't do it. I'm predicting he didn't do it because Stipe and John already have an agreement. I'm predicting the entire reason that Stipe has been silent and John has been silent is because those two already have an agreement. And I'm calling this out not to prove a point. Only time will tell. If it ends up being Stipe and, and, and Ty T. Vasa, then we'll see how good my detective work is. But for right now, I'm light on the idea. I love the call out. I love the courage that T. Vasa has when I talk about these intangibles to make up for some of his skills, for some of his deficits. One of the reasons he can find such incredible success, and I believe is ranked number three in the world right now. He should be whether he got that ranking or not. Stopping Derek Lewis should have given him that. But the mere fact that he sees himself different he is not over here to make people laugh. He is not over here so that people can drink dirty beer. He's not over here just to sell tickets. He's over here to win championships and gets what's his in terms of the world of respect and recognition. I really like that in Ty T. Awesome. To close out today's show, there's a new thing happening in the fighting world, and I think it's a joke. And I got to get some thoughts off my chest. Sit back and enjoy it. Are any of you slap fight fans? Would you leave me a comment if you are? I'm going to suspect when I go to the comments, it's going to be no. I don't think that, because slap fight people aren't my kind of people. And that's okay. I'm not putting you down. But you know what I mean by that? Like a certain kinds of people, like a guy that gets goes to the pet store and he comes home with a snake. And then he wears the snake like it's a scarf. No problem. You haven't done anything wrong. You're not my kind of guy. The guy that goes and gets a pet tarantula and then catches mice and likes to watch him, his tarantula devour the mice and then tell everybody, well, it's about the food chain and he's got to eat something. I, I, nope. But you're not my kind of guy. Slap fighting, first off, is not fighting. People don't slap in a fight. It's an oxymoron. It is a jumbo shrimp. You cannot have such a thing as a slap fight. Just clear that up. Mixed martial arts and or boxing, generally when people go to fight, they do it fist to cuffs, they're going to box. Now, you might run into a wrestler on the street that's going to double cross you. He's never going to hit you once because it's not what he does, but he's going to take you down and control you and make you feel like a fool. Point is still proved. Or you go to the highest line, which is, hey, two guys unarmed, let's see what happens, and that's what MMA is. So you can carry that over to the ultimate form of argument. People say fighting doesn't solve anything. Fighting solves everything. You're just a dum-dum if you have to get to it. If you couldn't verbally get yourself out of a situation and you had to resort to it, but make no mistake, slaps are not done in a fight. Standing there letting somebody slap you is not done in a fight. 
if you are part of a sport that does not require training through somebody with a specialty done in something known as a gym, you're not doing sport. You're in an activity. I met a lot of people in my time on this earth. I have never met a slap fighter. I've met plenty of people on my time on this earth. I've never met somebody that's told me what they do for a living is they coach or train slap fighting because there's no such thing. And it's very weird. And to my example earlier of, yes, we have boxing or you have MMA or you run into the wrestler just in case on the street, you've proved some point. You've proved nothing. You could lose a slap fight and whip the hell out of that person. One had nothing to do with the other. You guys might as well have done pull-ups and then decided that that's who's tougher. Or you could thumb wrestle and decide that's who tough. One has nothing to do with the other. There is nothing about that that has anything to do with the streets. And if you were training yourself to stand perfectly still while a target hits you in the face, you aren't very good at fighting. If you happen to be the one that falls down or gets knocked out or loses in a slap fight, you've now really shown one thing, which is you are not very good at fighting. If you want to stand on the soles of your feet in front of an unmoving target, wind up and crack them as hard as you can without any kind of protection to your hand, you are not very good at fighting. And if you're the kind of guy that watches slap fighting, and you're the kind of guy that looks forward to watch, because I've seen it too, guys, but I don't watch it. I don't know if that qualifies. Like, it pops up on TikTok, or it comes across some thread against my will that I haven't gone and sought out, and I see it. That's a little bit different than somebody that looks forward to the Oh, a slap fighting match is coming up. Oh, I'm a tough guy. I like tough guy sports. And I just saw it with these two gals. They look perfectly nice. They look like they had no beef with each other. And they're up there slapping. Why would you ever let an opponent hit you? How do you ever not bring a hand up? How do you not do the pull? How do you not slip underneath? Where's the honor in that? It makes no kind of sense. And I'm okay with weird activities. People jump out of airplanes. People ride bulls and act like they, they achieve something. People do weird stuff all the time. I'm not against that. I'm against them using the name of our sport fighting. You gotta call it something else. We're having a slap match. We're having a slap contest. We're having a slap fest. We're having a slap off. We're slapping. Don't put the word fight. Fighters have earned that right. The sport of fighting has been met with resistance by every level that you could have from city, state to government and still overcome. People have struggled. People have studied. People have earned the right to be either a fight fan or to be a fighter or to be in the fight industry or to be a fight trainer. Two people are going to stand there with an open hand and they're going to let the other one hit them. Otherwise, they're breaking the rule. Who thought of that? That is a ridiculous game. The opposite I could get into. We're both going to stand here. You got to slap me. It's got to be with this hand, but you got to move first. But if you move, I get to get out of the way. That I would be impressed with. Sure, I would. That's like a quick draw. I can get into that. But if we're sitting around creating... I saw a sport in the Olympics. You guys are going to think I'm making this up. This is a true story. I just watched the Olympics two weeks ago. There's a sport for downhill skiing. Whatever the hell you do, if it's sloped, you're going to get down the hill. There's no honor in that. Who can do it faster? Who cares? It's gravity. That's not a sport. Start those sons of bitches at the bottom of the hill. Have them get to the top. That's the guy you put a medal around. Downhill skiing? <laughs> what? Slap fighting? What?
All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. I'm off to Miami to cover Eagle FC, an exciting main event between Diego Sanchez and Kevin Lee. And as a special treat to you guys, I'll be dropping another podcast very soon to get you set for what will be a great night of fights. So look out for that. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. <laughs>